you are now tuning into the Four Feathers podcast brought to you by Chicago Sports Nation. Welcome to episode 10 of the Four Feathers podcast. I am Johnny Nani. I'm joined by Tony Marchese and Ron Luce. Only three feathers tonight. How's it going, boys? Going well, gentlemen. Well, it, it was going well until the Hawks played a game tonight. So, yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, not, not doing too good. Um, what a brutal fucking game. Yeah. Bad. That was bad. Just take a take a deep breath and yeah. let that settle in. Yeah. So this is Tuesday night when we're recording this. Blackhawks just lost to the Vegas Golden Knights by a score of eight to three, and it was not pretty at all at any point in the game. So um, we we can start there, I guess. So I just want to uh, come in. I just want to come in with ron you had mentioned something in in the pre-flight checks before we got going about how excited you were to see some some fresh blood in the in the hawks lineup and, and thought you were gonna stick through this game the whole way um i thought so too but that shit was unwatchable it, it was unwatchable and i somehow miraculously found a way to stick through it and watch the entire game um yeah i was i was drawn in by some new blood and new blood didn't look awful and you know because of that though i decided that it was a good idea to watch and also apparently thought it was a good idea to watch my favorite human pylon play defense and jan ruda and and a couple other people and it just yeah it was ugly it was not a good game they did not look at, in it at all at any point um you know, Gus's garbage time goal was exactly that garbage time. They were already down shit six to two, seven eight to two, eight to two, eight to two. Yeah, there you go. Uh, just ugly, 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 ugly. I fortunately toward the end of the third, I was just kind of half paying attention because um, I don't think mentally I could have taken watching that anymore. Um, but the, yeah, the it, beatings it just, will continue until morale improves. Yeah, morale ain't improving anytime soon, boys. So the the beatings are going to get pretty bad here. Johnny, did you make it through that whole game? Yeah, so it was pretty funny that Ron said that he was like half paying attention, like through the third. So I was watching it like at the beginning and whatever. I was uh, out to eat earlier, so I caught the uh, first uh, period and a half there, and then listened to radio on the way home. And then it was still like, I mean, we were down like three i think so it wasn't like completely out of range because there was still enough time left if they were going to make a surge um then when i got home uh it it was you know just bad it was bad so then in in the third period actually uh, i think after they scored the seventh goal i I started black mirror today on netflix i don't know if any of you guys have seen it oh my god that show is unbelievable yeah it's so like fucking interesting. So, so I just like I, I just muted the game and I watched that until so, we were ready to record. Like, <laughs> but I, I had which I had episode did you start TV. with? Which episode did you start with? I, th- I started at the very beginning, season one. So I'd like just finished like episode two or something like that. But... I can't remember what all the episodes were. So my my wife actually like 
put that on probably about, I don't know, six months ago. And uh, I remember getting caught into one of the episodes. And by the end of it, I was completely mind-fucked. So I'm oh, sorry, yeah. just going away from Blackhawks talk because I didn't make it all the way through. I ended oh. up watching I ended up watching SNL reruns because um, <laughs> they were starting to like – well, not reruns, but stuff that was on my DVR. So I was catching up on the last three weeks of Saturday Night Live while I kind of watched the score and watched your guys' Twitter feeds and, uh, and, and all that while this disaster of a game was going on. But yeah. Black Mirror, solid, solid choice uh, for, you know yeah. – while so, watching the Blackhawks. Yeah, so that that's what got me through like the very end of the game. So yes, it was on, but no, I wasn't really paying attention towards the end. Um, but that, like Ron said, not too much to be happy about. Uh, Gus had a garbage time goal. Jan Rudo looked like crap. Looked like we, we, you know, we had talked in our group chat, our Four Feathers group chat. Um, I said, you know, if I was Vegas, like at some point, I would have just started like in that third period at the beginning, I would have just started throwing in shots from the red line because it looked like everything that was like on net, every other like every other one of them would go go in the back. So um, it was it, it was bad. Um, Vegas is a fast team uh, there. I don't think their record speaks to actually how good they are. I mean, I know they're in third in the Pacific now, but um, they, they made us look silly tonight. I guess the only positive I could take from that is Dylan Strom uh, got his first goal as a Blackhawk, and he also recorded an assist. So um, that I mean, I, I like to see that. You know, a guy that you know, whereas we saw Nick Schmaltz in Arizona, same old, same old as he was for us, dogging it, leading the goals on the other end um, against him. So uh, that that would be the only positive I can take out tonight is Nick Schmaltz's misery and Dylan Strom actually looking good for the Hawks. Before we yeah. go any farther into Nick Schmaltz, I want to just get into this tweet that uh, that Ron shared with everybody in our in our group chat, uh, where Brent Seabrook, after the game, was asked the question, "What were the biggest breakdowns tonight?" And uh, he replied, "Everything." Huh. Um, talk about Saturday Night Live and comical stuff. Uh, the Blackhawks press conferences could probably be a Saturday Night Live skit at this point in time. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get the Saturday Night Live cast to uh, to play McDonough, Rocky Wirtz, Bowman, and uh, Jeremy Carlton, and a couple of the uh, of the press members, and I think that would be a phenomenal skit. I would watch it. I, I think would. It'd be I would definitely love it. I mean, that that would be awesome. Uh, who is it? Pete Davidson. He's got the eye bags. Um, yes, he's Stan. So yeah, he could be Stan yeah. Bowman. Stan's eye bags. Yep. And then they would just to really add dramatic effect. They would just like draw yeah, with like sharpie like, around his eyeballs. He'd look like a freaking um, masked villain with his eye bags. Well, if we got any producers from Saturday Night Live that uh, that listen to Four Feathers podcast, please uh, DM us with uh, with your inquiry here. We got the skit written for you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if like uh, we have any time to like meet up like in person or whatever. But we may have to do. You know, we have a Four Feathers uh, YouTube channel. We may have to do some shorts, just some you know little quick hitters. Some like Four Feathers Four Feathers videos. digital yeah. shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. could be a thing. Yeah. I, I, I like, like that. that idea. I like that idea. We could get into the the whole acting side of this that I've never done before. I, I'm sure it would be absolutely hilarious for people to watch. 
I think our missing feather Tyler tonight, uh, he got called out on some work bullshit. So yeah, let's, um, let's talk I think, about, I think he, he, he would be good for that. He's, he's a funny guy. Let's talk about that. Well, he's, he's an impressionist. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody, if anybody goes back and listens, he does a solid Donald Trump. Um, Tyler, super tonight, fan. Yep. Super fan. He does the super fan <laughs> as well. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he's an SNL guy. Uh, Tyler, 100, 150 doing old Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Tyler got fired tonight from Four Feathers. Uh, he is no longer with us. I know he's going to listen to this. Uh, he's no longer with us. He chose work over recording this podcast. Uh, he thought it was a power move until he got fired on air right now by me. Uh, Tyler, goodbye. It was nice knowing you. And uh, we hope you enjoy listening to us from now on instead of actually talking using your microphone that you are not near right now. <laughs> I'm He's got to, uh, Ty, Ty's good people. Uh, work stuff happens. I'm, I'm sure he'd rather be here discussing the Blackhawks getting demolished tonight than uh, going and making some money. The real question is, is, is that in fact true? Because they looked horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. I'm a little upset, I'll be honest. I'm a little upset that we weren't recording about 20 minutes earlier when they were showing the highlights of the game and watching Jan Ruda just get absolutely smoked by Shea Theodore on the left-wing side. Oh, my goodness. I was fired up. So I'll find it at some point though. We'll we'll get back there, I'm sure, in this conversation so, sooner than later. So guys, have you ever hated a Blackhawks team as much as you hate this one? Ooh. I mean, not with the same passion, because like now you can be fully invested into it and I like know where to look for all information about the game. Like, you know, I'm following the possession metrics as they're happening live. So I guess I get more upset about that when we're just getting like blown away by that. But I mean, those, those early like 2000s teams were not fun. Like, well, you know, I, I think it that's... gets, I think it gets compounded by the fact that we're so used to success. Yeah. And then you see this and it's just not the same. No, I, I mean, any, any, Especially because, I mean, in, in total fairness, the the organization was kind of in a very hard place, you know, during the late 90s and early 2000s. Games weren't on TV. Uh, you know, Papa Wurtz was very firm on his belief that if you were going to see this team play, you're going to come to the stadium and buy a ticket. Yeah, well, that worked out really well for you, Pimp. When, you know, in 2002, they were named, what, the worst franchise in sports, I believe. I mean, they... You know, they struggled. And so because of that, the casual hockey fan in Chicago, unless you were familiar with their success in the early 90s, was really non-existent. I mean, I I know personally I didn't get into hockey until Denny Savard's first season coaching. And that's because games were on TV and my dad and my older brother were like, hey, sit down and watch a game with us. And I'm like, yeah, OK. Um, now I'm invested. I'm in love. But to that extent, we've also been super spoiled. You know, that first season, they've only missed the playoffs by three points. Um, the next season obviously was the, the first year under Q and, you know, they go to the Western conference final to lose to Detroit. And then, you know, the run of three and six begins the following season. So, uh, you know, most of Blackhawks fandom right now, especially the younger part of the generation, um, are spoiled. We really are. We are absolutely just, 
just super spoiled because of how good this team has been for how long they were they were good. And now, you know, it's starting to try and just the the hockey fan side of me is like, okay, here comes the rebuild. We gotta we gotta go through one of these. We gotta go through what Toronto went through, and we gotta go through what um you know, some of these other teams that are now coming up, Buffalo is going or went through for so many years. Uh, I just want to see them do it the right way. And I'm terrified that they're not going to do it the right way because I don't think Stan knows his ass from a hole in the ground when it comes to a rebuild. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a, a few different things that, that we could get into uh, with, with all that talk. Uh, the first thing I want to mention is, the Blackhawks organization has tiptoed around that rebuild word. They have not come out and said that they want to rebuild. They've used every word possible besides rebuild. And, and maybe that could go into the SNL skit uh, that we do, with the, the four feathers short. Um, how many words can we use yeah. that aren't rebuild when we're trying to rebuild? Um, I was actually talking to a buddy about this the other day. and I mean, it's so common common sense when you look at the Blackhawks right now. The ability to rebuild is completely hampered by our own GM, and we hit every point on this during the, the Q show. Um, but again, you, you can't trade anything worth, you know, you can't trade anything worthwhile when it has a no-movement clause on it. Um so we have to trade pieces like Nick Schmaltz and every other first round draft pick that we've made over the past five, six years in order to get anything back. Uh, that's, that's not how you rebuild. That's not how you get back the talent that you're going to need to succeed again in the near future. So our own GM has completely hamstrung us from being able to get rid of the guys that we need to get rid of in order to fully tank. I mean, you have one of the top scorers in the NHL on this team in Patrick Kane. He's not going anywhere, nor do we want to see him go anywhere. I don't think anybody who's a fan of the Blackhawks wants to see Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Corey Crawford, Duncan Keith, even to an extent, Brett Seabrook leave Chicago, and and that's a problem because we're tied to these guys not only in no trade clauses, but also as a fan, you don't want to see them leave. You want to see them retire as Blackhawks, but they're also on potentially bad deals. You look at the Brent Seabrook deal; that's the worst of them all. Jonathan Taves' deal is also something that yeah he was a top 10 center but let's be real he's not worth the money he's getting paid right now um Duncan Keith eh, that one I'll let slide he's not eh, that's not bad he still puts up quality minutes but you don't want to see these guys go but without removing some of that salary and nobody's going to touch Brent Seabrook unless we get rid of probably to bring it uh, in uh, in a deal for for Seabrook, um, at minimum. Yeah, yeah, at minimum, you're probably also including either draft picks or another prospect, uh, in in a deal to shed that salary. Uh, you you can't rebuild when you don't have the ability to move the pieces that would bring back any talent. Um, 
it's kind of unfortunate because for being spoiled for so long, there's really no, I, I don't see the way out of this outside of what I think that they're trying to do, which is get lucky. And so far, it really hasn't worked because you you did get lucky when you found Artemi Panarin, and you couldn't put something together to to make that work. Yeah, it's a really tough spot. Um, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I sucks that you know you'd. I'm not going to be a dead horse here. You said it best, Tony. Our GM has hamstrung us in this that the pieces that are going to get your max value returns are unmovable right now. So um, it's kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for? A limbo, I guess. And it sucks. Well, and, and guys, for as much as we hate on Stan Bowman and as much as we hate some of the moves that he makes, I don't, I don't want to come out and be a, a Stan Bowman apologist completely here, but what would what would you have done? I mean, you were handed these like solid core players, and you don't want to be the guy that lets Kane and Taves go in free agency. You didn't want to trade the two cornerstones of the franchise. You don't want to let Brent Seabrook and and Duncan Keith that whole thing break up. Uh, you know, you don't want Corey Crawford to go because you really haven't identified a, a solid goal, goaltender that's that's worthy of starting. I mean Scott Darling. Let's 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 be honest. For as awesome as he was during that playoff run, and he's kind of turned it around a little bit this year. I haven't checked in on his stats, but he hasn't really put up starter numbers. And uh, from what I've seen, like solid, solid starter numbers. Ron, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, there really wasn't that many options. And so yeah. you kind of you kind of get into this weird space with the salary cap, and then. Then you come into some of these trades that we've made, and we'll talk, I think, most of this episode about the, the Nick Schmaltz trade. But if you notice, we've only dealt with really two teams over the past few years, and that's uh, the Hurricanes Careful. and yeah. Arizona. And there's got to be something, and, and this is my kind of theory behind it, is none of these teams want to deal with the Blackhawks because nobody wants to give them a break. You see this team basically dominate over a decade. What GM out there is going to be like, oh, Stan, I know you're facing salary cap issues. Let me help you. No, everybody in their right mind that's in charge of an organization in the National Hockey League is going to do everything they possibly can to fuck over the team that gets all the national media attention, that gets to play in the outdoor games, that's constantly in the playoffs year after year, making deep cup runs, winning three Stanley Cups. Nobody wants to deal with Stan Bowman and give up anything that's going to make the Blackhawks better. You know, all the other teams who are out there who, you know, are middle of the road, you know, you look at St. Louis, they haven't won. You know, they end up making these trades that Blackhawks fans get all up in arms about, like, how the fuck did they land this guy? You know, nobody wants to deal with the Blackhawks the way they would deal with another team who isn't, you know, qualified as, you know, the the dynasty team per se. So for as much shit as Stan Bowman gets, I don't think he's really working with the full attention of the league. And the only team 
the only teams that are going to deal with him are bottom feeders like Carolina and Arizona where he can ship people to in places where people don't care about hockey. And, you know, as weird as it sounds, tinfoil hat, Arizona is the perfect place to go send ex-Blackhawks players where all the Chicago expats are going down to and want to watch hockey. They get to go watch all of the send-offs of the Chicago Blackhawks and sell tickets. You know, you got those guys down there. It's really tinfoil hat. It's really really tinfoil hat theory here. But nothing better than all the people who left fucking Chicago to go to Arizona for the warm weather to watch secondary Blackhawks hockey. I mean, it, it just makes sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to you guys, but it, it there's Stan Bowman does not have the ear of any GM in this league. Uh, I, I don't think he can make the moves to rebuild. And if I want to bring this back full circle, how's he supposed to rebuild this team? How is anybody in his shoes? Put yourself in the GM shoes of the Chicago Blackhawks right now. What are you doing to fix this team? I'm using the R word publicly because then maybe, just maybe, you'll have guys like Kane, guys like maybe Taves, Keith for sure, since he's he's up there in age, Crow, who will say, you know what? You're admitting to it finally. You're admitting that this is a rebuild, as haunting of a word that is for pretty much almost every franchise in Chicago, maybe minus the Northsiders and the Bears. But don't bring the Cubs into this. Um, <laughs> a little little plug for the Northsiders, but well, the uh, White Sox right now. You know, and but they they really have they really ever admitted to it. Oh yeah. yeah, the Sox. The Sox sale. Yeah, <laughs> the Sox fully admitted what they were trying to do. Well, right, but I mean, how long did it take them to finally do that? That was my point. Oh yeah, no. I mean, cool. they should have. They should have torn it down. What four or five years prior to when they finally started doing it? Yeah. Arguably, I mean, they were the last yeah. really competitive season they had was what oh eight. Come on, yeah. Shy Sox Weekly. We'll talk about this, Ron. We <laughs> deal. I would love to come on, but I mean. And so I did, that's just the point. It's such a dreaded word to these big market teams like the teams in Chicago because you don't want to lose that fan base. I would argue you're going to have more loyalty from that fan base. Look at what the freaking New York Rangers did. They sent out letters to their fans and said, hey, bear with us. This is going to suck. But guess what? We appreciate you as a fan and we want to let you know what we're doing. You know how much more respect right now I think Blackhawks fans would have for Stan, McDonough, even Rocky, if they just came out and admitted, hey, we're going to suck for a couple of years, but we'll be back. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. At least I could put up with watching this dumpster fire every night that they're putting on the ice right now. Yeah, we brought this up, I think, during Q Show episode again, is don't lie to us. Don't lie to us as the fans. How are we supposed to respect you and spend money on you if you're gonna tiptoe around what you're actually trying to do people don't like being lied to i mean that i think that's what it all comes down to is for for what we thought was this world-class run organization for so long when they were winning and and things are things are easier when you're winning you can lie to us all you want because all we care about is the end result of hoisting the stanley cup and getting drunk at a stanley cup parade and that's what we all want. 
But if you're going to sit there and tell us that you're going to go and make the playoffs this year when you fire a coach who would be uh, – nobody thinks Jeremy Carlton is a better coach in the playoffs than Joel Quinville. If you do, I'm sorry, fuck you. You're completely insane. And then leave cap space on the table – and I th- I think I shared a tweet with you guys. Uh, Satchel, what is it, Satchel Price or whatever from mm-hmm. he used to be from Second City Hockey or whatever. Uh, put a tweet out today with a spreadsheet of what the the, the long term financial commitments are. And and next year you're rolling in with about twelve million dollars in cap space. That's a lot different than what we saw over the past ten years because we're normally over the cap at the end of the year rather than have money to spend. There's an obvious plan here for this this organization, and that's to spend money in free agency, whether it be this season or the season after. They're shedding salary. They know the ticket sales are down. They know that they're in a cap league. They're expecting the cap to raise, whatever that number may be, probably, what is it, normally like up $2 million a year. Um. They know what they're going after, and that's that's probably going to be a, a, a decent free agent signing this year. But don't lie to us because all the other moves that you're making with the message that you're telling the fans are two totally different things. And I think that's what's the most frustrating thing for me right now because, like I said, everybody said that the Blackhawks were the best-run organization in sports, and yet they can't come out and just tell us what their plan is. And that respect thing that you talked about, Ron, that's everything. How much respect would we have if they just came out during that press conference when they removed Coach Quenville and said, we are taking this organization in a new direction. Here's where we're going. Yeah, Tony, you talk about the respect thing there. If you want to talk about the ultimate, just like overarching thing, this kind of ties all this in together. All those points that you said, just this visual that I got on my screen tonight. In the third period, we're down eight to two. Stoppage, Foley's, you know, kind of voice down in the dumps. Oh, in the stoppage, we'll go to break. Right after that, you know, you see the score, it flashes away on the screen, eight to two. Goes straight to one of those commercials of the, you know, the whatever, believe in one goal. <laughs> And then the end message says, believe in us. Am I going to fucking believe in you after I'm seeing this shit show that just happened? You know, literally the first commercial after the break, like, you know, of the break there. I don't know. It just it it was like the most visual representation of what we all just talked about. You know, all of our points. That's just fantastic. I wish I saw that because I probably would have chucked a beer at my TV had I seen that? Like literally, I probably would have grabbed my beer and just fucking chucked it at the TV. It'd be broken, and I wouldn't have to watch this product for the rest of the year because I can't go affording another fucking flat screen TV for my living room at this point in time. After I chuck a beer at it, trying to explain that one to my wife. Why are you pissed off? Pissed off because Stan Bowman doesn't want to fucking come out and tell me what the hell he's trying to do with my favorite fucking team. I I don't. I don't understand why they're still running that commercial. Wasn't wasn't Q yeah, originally like a, in that commercial when they first released yeah, it to me yeah, in the beginning yes, of the year? Yeah. 
Did they edit him out? I haven't seen it since. I haven't I haven't seen one with him. I mean, there were a couple different variations of it, but I haven't seen him since. Obviously, they're not going to fucking run it when he's in it I now mean, that he's gone. But It, it you would know, be like, so Blackhawks right now to run a yeah. commercial with Coach Cusick, yeah. believe in, yeah. in one goal. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think they've, they've done that. But you know what? The thing is, like, I know these are probably, like, pre-scheduled, like, with the TV networks. I don't know how all that business works on that side of things, but you would think that they can say like, Hey, let's pull the plug on this. Like, you know, at this point in time, like, you know, just go to your shitty, uh, you know, car insurance ad instead, like Kane give them another Dray's, play. Kane and Taves yeah. drive the Chevy Cruze, which is no longer going to be a car in America after, yeah. <laughs> after 2019. Um, yeah. that's, you know, that, that that's, that's a thing that happened today. I'm not sure if you guys follow the car industry, I, but, uh, Kane and Taves yeah. are no longer going to be able to drive a Chevy Cruze because the Chevy Cruze is going to be no longer. Um, like they actually did in the first place. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, come on now. Um, th- there uh, goes the Blackhawks organization lying to us again. <laughs> I want to well. see. I want to see Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane both in their Chevy Cruzes driving down Jackson Boulevard, and then then maybe I'll go buy a Chevy Cruze before they go out of production. Just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right. It's time to get to uh, the trade. So we talked about a lot about this rebuilding, and, you know, um, they're not coming out and saying it, but the moves that they make are going in a different direction. Let's talk about a move that actually happened. Nick Schmaltz got traded to Arizona. We got Dylan Strom and Brendan Perlini back um, in that trade. So initial thoughts, Ron, go ahead and fire off. Yeah, I, I think initially I, I was a little confused, honestly, when, uh, I was, I was laying in bed, it was, uh, a cold Sunday night and there was a chance that I was working from home on Monday because of the snow. And I did cause it sucked in the suburbs and, um, I'm scrolling through Twitter and all of a sudden I see Blackhawks trade and I'm like, oh, what did we do now? And I see Nick Schmaltz's name and I go, oh, I wonder where he's going. And I don't know why I wondered because we all know where the fuck he was going. (laughs) But all of a sudden I see Dylan Strom on the name and I'm like, all righty. And you know what? I I think – I'm going to give I'm going to give some credit where credit is due because this is definitely one of the first people I heard say this. Uh, John Jekyll over at the rink said it's really hard right now to judge this trade right now because I mean, these all three of them are what, 21, 22 and 22, I think. I think Perlini or Schmaltz is going to be, I think, 23 because he was a 2014 draft year. But I think I want to say. Both Perlini and Strom are both 2015 first rounders. So, you know, they're all really young. I mean, there's a lot of room to grow. Perlini, I kind of like Perlini. I think he's kind of a, he's kind of the wild card in the trade because he's coming off a 17 goal season. Um, this year, he's not having the same kind of puck luck. Wasn't happy seeing him on the fourth line tonight. I think that's a load of bullshit, personally. I think he should have been at least on the third line. But uh, I will rest on that one. Uh, but I, I like Dylan. I like Dylan Strom getting a change of scenery because I think early on with his, in his time in Arizona pre touch it, they weren't going to use him properly. Tippett was not the right coach. 
They they never gave him quality line mates. I think I read something that his most common line mates were Cousins and Kraus. Like these are guys that are are bottom six forwards. And Who are those guys? Never heard of them. Exactly, yeah. and most Nick, people haven't. Nick Cousins had some hype at the beginning, but he's he's nothing special. Right, and and these are guys. I mean, they're good role players for what they do. But if you want Dylan Strome to become a superstar, or at least produce for you like a third overall draft pick, probably should. You you fucking need him to to be playing with some skill. I mean, are we about to crack him. Crack go for him. it. Let's crack. Do him. it. There oh, we go. That was crack synchronized. Him. That was good. That was Cheers, good. Tony. Cheers. <laughs> I'll keep bantering while you guys chug. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I I like Dylan Strom getting a change of scenery. I like what Colleton did tonight with the lines. I think Strom playing with Kane and DeBrinket makes a lot of sense because Dylan Strom's actually willing to go into a corner and go for a puck or he's willing mm-hmm. to go to the dirty areas. You look at the goalie score tonight. Where was he sitting? In the blue paint. You know what yep. good things happen when? You go to the fucking blue paint. You know, so I like to see that. I like seeing right. that. I think in the end, I think it's good. I'm is is. As weird as this might sound, and I think you guys might agree with me, I'm kind of happy to see Schmaltz gone. I know we were talking oh, and yeah. we've talked about it before. Oh, yeah. I was we'll sick and yeah. tired of his shit-ass effort every night. I couldn't watch it anymore. It pissed me off. Is is I played college football. I was not the most talented player by any means on the field. You know, So all, everything I did was based on working hard and technique. He just was the laziest fucking player ever. And I hated lazy players when I played. And I'm sure that had a rub off on a couple guys the wrong way. Sure, he was young. Sure, he was he was super talented. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But if you're going to give a half-ass effort every single time you're on the ice, how, how can anybody rely on you to score? You know, he couldn't play center. He could barely win a fucking face-off. I would argue I might be able to win a face-off better than Nick Schmaltz could. And... You know, it just it wasn't clearly it wasn't working. It wasn't working. They tried. They tried. They tried. Sure, he he scored 50 points. Great. But it didn't do anything for them. It was 50 points. You know, he's got talent. Could he work out eventually in Arizona? Maybe. Is he going to play center? Probably not. He played wing tonight. If you check their lineups from uh, Arizona's game tonight. Um, You know, and there's there was some some very. Uh, questionable clips that we we saw in the, in the Twitter sphere um, on hockey Twitter hashtag hockey Twitter now um, uh, Schmaltz slacking ass again. So uh, you know I think I think it's going to work out well. Strom's got enough connections with DeBrinket. You know I think he's he's a player that a lot of people are a fan of. I think. You know, he's got talent. You don't go third overall if you don't have some kind of talent. They need to just find a way to tap into that. So I think first impression, the trade is growing on me a lot more. I think initially I was confused after my little banter. So I apologize going off the deep end a little bit there. But um, I think it's actually going to be kind of interesting to see how these guys deal with the team because they are both very young. I want to see Perlini get put in better opportunities to actually score. Uh, I think him playing with Kruger and Fortin isn't going to help him score. Maybe if he's playing with Fortin and say Anisimov, maybe, 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 eh. you know, or, or you play him, you know what? And I, I, I Johnny, I know this one's going to just rub you the right way. Uh, even if you put him with like camp and Fortin, 
Because honestly, yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. That would be a third line there. That would be right. a third line. And, and you know what? I'll give Camp some credit. He's he stepped up his play a little yeah. bit lately. So, that's because Jeremy Collins loves Camp. <laughs> that's his boy. That's Johnny's boy too. For yeah. all of our listeners, <laughs> Johnny is just in love with David Camp. I'm surprised he's not wearing his number 64 jersey right now as we record. That's a great. I number think too. I think Jeremy Carlton loves boring things. I really think yeah. he loves boring ass things and he like he Camp, loves checkers checkers and, and, yes. is just his game no sudoku i think he loves oh, Sudoku. yeah <laughs> camp is the equivalent <laughs> of hockey sudoku <laughs> there you go no all right so you know what the thing is i like since you just brought up camp i want to get in uh, just a few points on that trade too I, we're going to circle back to that but since you got me on camp here you know i had railed about <laughs> it in the group just because I don't know. It just seemed like he never did anything meaningful offensively. Okay in his own end. Uh, okay on faceoffs, but nothing ever meaningful happened when he was in his own zone or in the um, you know other team's zone attacking. And then of course, so I one of my favorite uh, Hawks Twitter accounts is Cheer the Anthem. If you don't follow him, you should. He's got hilarious, sarcastic takes on everything. Black we're going to get him on this podcast. But he, I think yeah, we're going to we, try we are, to get him on this podcast. We are, we are going to at some point. But he, on Saturday night before the game, um, it, he said, you know, he looked at the lines and he says, so Colleton's still trying to make camp a thing. So he's playing like, you know, like third center or something like that. And I like, you know, like retweet it and I'm like laughing about it and whatever. Then what does camp do? Goes out and puts on like a Brandon Saad type power move, skates through defender, back across, takes from his backhand to his forehand and completely fools the goalie and scores a beautiful goal. And I'll give him all the credit in the world. You know what, David Camp, I hope you heard me. I hope you heard me bitching on Twitter.com. And that's what motivated you to do. I'm just going to go ahead and say that that's what that that's what motivated that. Me and Cheer the Anthem, you know. This is uh, this is kind of reminiscent about, of me telling that uh, Adam Engel needs to get the fuck out of Chicago and then makes yeah. two Gold Glove plays uh, yeah. in the same weekend. And as a, and as a finalist yeah. for the Gold Glove at the I, end of the season. No, because all right. So my my hang up with him was just that he seemed like he was a um, a guy that is a player for Rockford, but is we don't have anyone else. So he's on our Chicago roster. That's what it always seemed like to me, both him and Luke Johnson. So you guys got plenty of doses of it. I would always go off and sorry, you guys didn't deal with those messages, but no, I, that, I, that I, was I, just my, uh, <laughs> that was my take on camp. Uh, I do have some points about this trade though, that I want to make real quick. Ron real, touched real, on all real quick, real nice quick. Day. while we're on the, we're, well, we're on the camp thing. Um, I think that, uh, camp, it would be completely hilarious to see him walk into a Chicago nightclub bar, late night establishment, and try and pick up a girl and be like, I play for the Blackhawks. And they just look at him and be like, No, you fucking don't. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? He's like, I'm Camp. And they'd be like, Never heard of you. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. That's, see, that's that's the kind of like yeah. thing. Like, he is not entertaining in any fashion yeah. on the ice outside of that play that that you had just talked about and that was he the only one all year really. yeah that was the only one all year there is nothing entertaining about him luke johnson i'd even go martinson like some of these guys and i think i i touched on this before it's like a lot of the blackhawks players over the past 10 years have been household names and some of the guys that we've got now are just not they don't move the needle like what 
other organization has Camp on their NHL roster. Like you said, he's an AHL yeah. player, um, and that's that's rebuilding. That's that's rebuilding to a T right there. Is players who don't really actually deserve, uh, you know minutes in an NHL game or players who don't deserve minutes in an NBA game, MLB, all that stuff. We've got our fair share of those names. And to tie this back into the Nick Schmaltz trade, we actually did get two guys back who deserve NHL minutes, in my opinion, uh, for one guy who didn't seem to appreciate his NHL minutes at all. Um, I, I, I did like that deal. I feel like Bowman actually got back, um, you know, maybe not something of value, but something that might be of value because mm-hmm. I, I am just happy that we don't need to go into contract negotiations with Nick Schmaltz. Uh, I think avoiding that and potentially having somebody who's either here uh, for two years on a show-me type, type deal – or, you know, another guy who's going to go into his contract year who's got to show us something by the end of this year is much better than a guy who's probably going to ask for upwards of $3 million in Nick Schmaltz. Um, I was going to say, if get, not more. Get the fuck out. If, if, oh, he's gonna, oh, you said what he's going to ask for through the roof. Oh, yeah, more. he's going to ask for – he's probably going to ask for five, six million. Um, <laughs> I, I Over would six actually, years. Yeah, over six years, I'd actually, I actually think he'll probably sign for somewhere in the four point five to five, if I had to guess. And that's just atrocious. I see Ron's face puking. Can you imagine the no trade clause on Nick Schmaltz's four to five year contract? It's it's not even going to be a no trade clause. It's going to be a full no move. Yeah, right. They can't even demote his ass. Yeah, Yeah, right. So so. Let's just be thankful that I I, th- I want to say that this move was Stan Bowman finally realizing that if he goes into negotiations with Nick Schmaltz, he's going to do something that he regrets. And removing Nick Schmaltz from Stan Bowman's temptation was a good move. You know, it's like that alcoholic who realizes he's an alcoholic and doesn't go to the bar. That's what I equate this move to. <laughs> I like that there analogy. You go. Yeah, that's pretty. That's that's pretty spot on there, Tony. Um, so I had some points before uh, Tony jumped into it, and before we got sidetracked on David Camp. Ron was Ron was on a great stream of thought, and I echo almost every one of his sentiment, sentiments that he uh, made there. But I just want to break it down from some numbers standpoint. So Tony talked about the Nick Schmaltz. He was due for a contract. This is his contract year right now, and he was not playing up to the potential of what he thought he would be worth. So he was still going to ask for, like you guys said, five, six million range, I would guess, and he's not nearly worth that. He put up 51 points you know, last year, 52 points last year, and if he could have built off of that, then that's a, that's a different thing. If he was producing for us this year, first of all, we're probably in a little bit of a different position right now as a Blackhawks team. Um, and second of all, you'd, you'd think about giving him some sort of deal. Maybe, obviously, you don't want to go that high, but you would think about negotiating with him there. So I'm glad to get that off the books because he would still ask for it, whether he's worth it or not. Second of all, you get Dylan Strome back, who was signed through 
um, this season and next. And he is a young centerman, much better at faceoffs than Schmaltz. We had to move Schmaltz to a wing because he couldn't win a damn faceoff. Uh, let's compare the numbers there. 38.3% on draws for Schmaltz through 162 career games. Uh, we have Dylan Strom at 58, or was it? Yeah. 50, for this season. Or, yeah, 58% face-offs through 20 games this year, 49.3% through 48 career games. So definitely better on the dot there if you're thinking about a possible future number three, number two center, depending on how his offensive game develops. I like that acquisition in Dylan Strom there. Brendan Perlini is a big winger, and I've seen – he to me, I don't know if you guys – like I just kind of do the eye test with him. He seems like an opportunistic goal scorer. I was looking through some of his old highlights from Arizona. He's got ones where he'll drive in down the left wing, come and get tripped by a guy, but still fire a you know, wrist shot, top shelf, pass the goalie. Um, he can do a little bit of redirect, so he can get in front of the net, set a screen, and also get a stick out there. He's got a long reach, so he can get some redirect goals in that way. So that's what I say when I say Brendan Perlini is an opportunistic goal scorer. So that's what I like in that aspect of it, whereas I feel like, Think about who else is an opportunistic goal scorer on the team. Obviously, your big names, Taves, Kane, they're going to get theirs. But other than that, was anyone really a difference maker? Was Nick Schmaltz going to drive to the center center of the ice and surprise you maybe with a redirect or a you know a falling down shot that goes glove side on a goalie? No, it wasn't going to happen. So that's what I'm excited about with Brendan Perlini, and he's only signed through this year. So if you don't like him, he doesn't live up to that. Then you let him walk. I know he's a restricted free agent, but it, there's no major commitment there. But I think he could be, if he does play out well, he could be a valuable piece going forward. So that's what I like about this trade. Yeah, can I? I want to just echo one little thing on under your point there. I was thinking about this before we jumped on, and I was like, you know what? Strom was a third overall pick. He went behind two franchise centermen and Eichel and McDavid in that in that fifteen draft. Uh, right behind him went Marner. Uh, Hannafin went after him. Rotnin was in that draft. So many really good young stars in the NHL right now. You know what I would consider a win for the Blackhawks right now if, if Dylan Strome becomes. Think a Jordan Stahl when he was in Pittsburgh. But he would be a number two on this team, not a number three, because you don't have a Sid and a Geno. If he can contribute 45 to 50 points a season, win draws, use his size. He is big. Both of these guys are big. I think that's something definitely worth six mentioning. Three, I think both of them. Both of them are 6'3". Yeah, exactly. They, they at least add an element that the Hawks did not have a lot of in that size. And if he can just become a nice number two center, he doesn't have to be a superstar. You know, they gave up a kid that really was a crapshoot. I, I remember reading a stat, and I wish I, I still had the exact stat on, on hand, but outside of the top 10 in a first-round draft in the NHL, I think I read something that picks 11 through 30, now 31, have the same likelihood of making the NHL as a third-rounder. I mean, it, it really becomes such a crapshoot late in that first round. You know, you're picking guys that are highly talented, but just maybe have one or two things that they need to work on before they can be legit stars. And Schmaltz was in that, that frame, you know. So I don't know if they're really losing anything super critical to their long-term success. If you have a guy like Strom comes in, can become just a reliable number two center, wins 
55% of his draws, gives you maybe 50 points, 45. We'll call him a 20-25 guy at minimum, I would think would be at least worth an investment compared to, say, like an Anisimov as a number two, who absolutely needs really good players with him to do anything. I think Strom, at least playing with good players, can do something. You saw the chemistry on that line, you know, tonight with Kane, uh, Debrinket, and Strom. I mean, they had some really good possession, um, at least early on, uh, when it was still a close game, so... And that's that, without that's without any major practice either. Yeah. They had one day of practice together. You know, sure, Debrinket and Strom know each other from their days in, in Erie, but um, you know, and if, if we're being totally honest, Kane can play with anybody. It really doesn't matter. But yeah. you know, a, at least that's a good sign. I hope Colleton lets that line stay together for a little bit and see if they can develop something consistently. Because if you can actually have two lines that can actually score, which is, I think, something we've lacked probably since the last Cup run, yeah. Right. Probably since then, yeah. two lines that can actually consistently fucking score. Um, I, I think that would be I would call that a win, honestly, for the short term, because at least you found a guy who can use his size, go to the corners, win some pucks, go to the front of the net, kind of do the things that you need to play with a guy like a cane or and, and or to bring it. Yeah. So one more thing we need to hit on with this trade is Nick Schmaltz comments when he got to Arizona. Um, So you're talking about wins in the trade. I'm going to say right now it's a win that Nick Schmaltz is no longer with the Blackhawks. And here's why he says, it feels pretty good knowing you're in a good organization that wants you to be here, that wants you to succeed. What did Nick Schmaltz mean by that? No fucking you, you idea. Don't, you don't. You don't think anyone here wanted you to succeed, Nick Schmaltz? You had a fifty-one, fifty-two point season last year. Everyone was hoping for you to be the next, not the face of the franchise, but a major component of this next core. Didn't we talk about him as one of the guys that could be like the next, like yeah, big, you know, yeah. You go and listen to some of these early episodes of Four Feathers. I was, uh, you know, I think it was the very first one uh, when we were just talking about the team makeup of this year. And I was excited for Nick Schmaltz. Everybody here wanted to, wanted him to succeed. Um, I mean, there, I don't I don't understand where that is coming from. It was it someone within the organization that was saying, oh, we, you know, that gave him that rubbed him the wrong way. They felt like he didn't want they didn't want him here. I just don't understand that. Everybody Which wanted him to do well. Everybody, we we needed him to do well. What the, that doesn't like, make any sense either Vermont. because yeah. if, if you think about it, Joe Quinville's not here anymore, so if it was a Q thing, he's not here anymore. Stan Bowman fucking drafted him in the first fucking goddamn round, so it's not Stan Bowman. Who was it? Who was it? Yeah, All the assistant exactly. coaches are gone. That's... Is John McDonough coming down there and be like, I don't like you, Nick Schmaltz, because that's the only other guy I can think of. Like seriously, that like those comments are just so ridiculous. Doesn't it, it makes no sense to me? And you know what? It, it it was. I wish the best for him as a person, but you know what? As a hockey player, it was funny for me to watch him. You know, do the same lazy sort of defensive, half-ass back check, two strides, and then uh, just glide that he you know did in Chicago frequently and then he's doing it with Arizona tonight and they get scored on twice while he's on the ice. 
So you know what that 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 kind of is. Even though we we got our asses handed to us by Vegas tonight, I'm glad Nick Schmaltz hasn't changed his ways. I know it's only one game in Arizona, but Jesus, no, I mean, that, that, that that's that, not gonna that's not gonna change. That's, yeah, that's that, a that's a mentality thing. He thinks that he could play at the same level that a guy like Patrick Kane can play, and I, I have a feeling that maybe. Uh, you know, playing with some of these stars in Chicago kind of maybe hurt him a little bit in his development. Because if you look like a guy, if you look at a guy like Patrick Kane who can get away with a lazy back check and still put up two, two, three points a night, um, uh, mentoring some people, maybe that's not the best thing for a guy like Nick Schmaltz who doesn't really have that level of talent to play at that level. Um, but with that said, uh, Nick Schmaltz, I don't think, knows what his talent level is in the NHL. And it's not the kind of guy who can ask for $6 million a year and fucking lazily forecheck or backcheck or play any sort of defense and then also not score. Um, you know, you got to be an impact player, and that was not Nick Schmaltz. And we saw flashes of it. We talked about it in depth. I think it was asked to uh, Barstool Chief when he was on the podcast. Uh, what do we do to fix Nick Schmaltz? And was was that hit that he took last year kind of the reason that he played the way that he did at the end of last year? It carried right over into this year. Uh, lazy play, um, lackadaisical efforts, nonstop. I mean, you could just roll tape on this all fucking day. Um, and you're right, Johnny. There was nobody who was rooting – for Nick Schmaltz. I mean, we all hated him. <laughs> we all hated every single minute of his lackadaisical play. We wanted to see him be the next, you know, not face like you said, but uh, a, 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 the next member of a core. I mean, you don't draft somebody in the first round and expect them to not succeed. It, it's kind of sad. I mean, there's... There's a lot of people who would love the opportunity to play for for the Blackhawks. Obviously, Perlini. I mean, look at Perlini coming yeah. out on Twitter. Fucking, I can't wait to wear this sweater again. I can't wait to give my all to play for the Blackhawks. You know, it should be an honor for anybody to play in the NHL, let alone play for an original six franchise and get to put on the best jersey in hockey. And I don't think Nick Schmaltz, he, he's a Chicago guy too. Isn't he? He was he was uh, Madison growing up, but I mean that's close enough. I mean, still, probably... like, like, come on, like, just respect it. You know, you talk about that oh. whole commit to the Indian one goal thing. I feel like we've had a lot of people uh, roll through this Blackhawks uh, organization over the past few years that don't respect it as much as some of the other guys did when they were coming up in oh nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah. And, you know, that's disappointing. Uh, those comments were just atrocious. Um, if there's a if there's a sound bite you could put in of a door closing and hitting somebody on the ass on the way out, uh, please insert it right here. Yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll find it. Don't worry. Uh, I'll do a little search and find it in post-production. But um, just just dissecting this just a little further. It feels good knowing you're in a good organization, buddy. You're with the Arizona Coyotes. I don't know what your definition of good is. Was that supposed to mean that the Blackhawks organization is not good enough for Nick Schmaltz? 
I don't. I mean, I don't want to read too much into that. Well, no. Let's 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 let's, let's read into it a little bit more. Like, comp plays here. <laughs> so if if he thinks you know, like I, I don't know. I, like, I don't know, just the, you know, the more of it, what I took away was, you know, an organization that wants you to be here. Fucking we, we want, if you're going to be the player that you showed last year, we're all in. We want you to be here. Um, but, and so uh, we had, to, uh, I, now I'm going to touch on this now that, now that, cause we were discussing it earlier in our group chat. When you're in a, you know, major city that has a lot of media that covers your sports teams. You're going to get flack. If you're not producing up to your level, you're going to get flack. That is just how it is. New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Toronto, Sensataki. Um, I mean, like I, like I said to you guys earlier, imagine he, he would have been, you know, uh, wanting to jump off the deep end if he was playing in Toronto, if he thinks that's where, like, the pressure is coming from, and the media and fans, you know, harping on him. <laughs> They're even like harsher than a, we are. They're I'd like to see him play in Montreal. Yeah, didn't, didn't I mean, Wisniewski last week to just touch on or two weeks ago yeah. when he was on here say that Montreal was was kind of like wow, like you're playing for yeah. like a city that's they watch your every move. Like, yeah. come on now. I yeah. So I I mean I just had to bring that up. Um, Nick Schmaltz, hope the door didn't hit you in the ass on the way out, buddy. It did. It hit him square on yeah. the ass. Nice. But I'm I'm glad he gets to go play with his good buddy Vinny Henstroza. Don't forget Jordan Osterley and Nicholas Chalmerson and Auntie Ranta and short sure. yeah yeah they all got the a rest, all the rest of, of the Blackhawks Dick yeah. Panic yeah it's it's Blackhawks West I thought you guys didn't know yeah hey I mean him and Dick Panic can just like not give a shit together so that'll be fun. <sighs> You're getting negative shits out of them. That's ridiculous. Your your second power play unit down in Arizona is going to be Dick Panic with Schmaltz and Hina Stroza, and then your blue line is going to be Osterley and Jalmerson, and they're going to call it the Blackhawks unit. Yeah. Would not be surprised. Now all they need is Coach Q to go coach a bunch of players who that, that Coach Q did not like in Chicago. <laughs> And I think that that would be hilarious because it would be all of Q's send-offs, except for Schmaltz, with Coach Q coaching them. I think that would be kind of comical. Maybe just for one game. That would be something. I don't think – I think Coach Q is enjoying his retirement right now, though. Well, not retirement, but his uh, leave right now. I mean, Shotsky's, who wouldn't want to do Shotsky's Shotsky's? In the, Yeah, Shotsky's <laughs> in the Bears parking lot. Yeah, obviously he's enjoying it. Uh, especially in this city, he's never going to have to buy another fucking drink in his entire life here. No. Never. No. Man, that man could walk into a bar and be like, I'm going to drink four beers tonight, and four separate people in the bar are going to buy those four beers for him. Absolutely. I would. All right. All right, let's uh Johnny, you want to you want to talk a little bit about week ahead or uh, any prospect uh, news just, that we got before we close yeah. this out? Yeah, we're going to get a little bit of news first. Uh, Connor Murphy uh, practiced on Monday, didn't do the contact portion of it, said he's still about a week away. But um, if we're looking for any positives, I mean, reinforcement 
uh, on the blue line. He will be very nice to have back. Um, I know we had talked before we went live here. The, you know, Connor Murphy's an upgrade over, you know, all but maybe two defensemen, maybe three, if you consider Seabrook in there. Um, but yeah, so we never, like Ron, Ron, I think you said it. Never thought I would be, you know, longing never. for Connor. Yeah, never, never yeah. thought I would miss Connor Murphy, but holy shit, I miss Connor Murphy. I am excited to see number five on the ice. That's that's the point. How bad this defense is. Gustafson's a train wreck. Ruda, don't even get me started on Ruda. Yeah. Um, fuck, who's even on that? Oh, Manning. Yeah, I want a whole episode of Ron Lucy dissecting Ron Lucy. Jan- sorry, I, 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 I mispronounced your last name. Too many beers. Uh, I want a whole episode of Ron. <laughs> dissecting John Ruda's defensive play. His play is atrocious. That's absolutely. The, I want, I want the, I want it set to the Titanic song. I've, I found, I found another t-shirt idea, by the way, it's going to be Jan Pylon Ruda is going to be the t-shirt. It's Ooh. gotta be. And it's going to be Pylon orange because he is a fucking traffic cone playing defense right now for this team. Oh, yeah. Man. He's bad. He's bad. He's but. so bad. So welcome back, Connor Murphy. Can't wait to see you on the ice. Yep. We, a week away, so I don't know if that means practice. Like, the timeline, this is still following the original timeline back at the beginning of the season when we give those injury updates on the podcast. Um, you know, we had said probably early, mid-December. So looks like he's still on that timeline. Uh, please get here soon, though, Connor. Um, all right. Onto a prospect report. I won't run through the whole list. Uh, Dylan Sakura is leading the Rockford Ice Hogs in scoring. Uh, he's got six goals, nine assists, good for 15 points through 22 games for him. Um, Maxim Shalinov, our guy in, over in Russia, um, 11 points through 23 games for in the KHL. And then there's the Euro Hockey Tour going on. Uh, he's played three games in there for Team Russia. He's got just an assist there. Um, Adam Boquist has stepped it up a bit, um, getting on the score sheet a little bit more. Six goals, 13 assists, good for 19 points through 19 games. So that's good to see him being a point per as a defenseman in the OHL. Um, Fun fact on Boquist real quick. Uh, four of his six goals all came this past weekend. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The last time I had updated the prospect sheet here that I have that we're looking at, Ron, he only had one. So, you know, that's good to see him, you know. Five goals in two weeks there. That's, uh, you know, good news for our – shit, he's only, what, 19 years old? I don't even think he's 19 yet. Is he still not? Oh, my God. I think he he just turned 18. So if I remember correctly, during the draft, he was technically a 17-year-old. But because his birthday was in like early August, he was 18 before the league season started. Yeah, gotcha. so that's why he was able to be drafted this year. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's a baby. He's he's barely legal enough to vote. Yeah, so he is he is a baby, but he's also putting up some big boy numbers. So that's good to see. After he had, he did have that little bit of an injury earlier in the season. I don't know if he just got rubbed the wrong way, concussion wise. Um, but he was out for a little bit with that. But it's good to see him back and actually scoring goals now as a defenseman. It's encouraging. Um, Phil Kurashev is tearing it up in the QMJHL. 14 goals, 23 assists, good for 37 points in 27 games. 
tied for tied for sixth in the entire league wow. in scoring. I know that's QMJHL, but when you're you know ten points ahead of how many games you've played, you're obviously on the right track there. Um, so just something to keep an eye on. That's what we want to do is get a little bit uh, deeper look at what's going on. Just obviously, it's easy to watch what's going on and follow the news for the team on the ice in Chicago. But we like to give a little deeper look here. Uh, Mackenzie Entwistle scored a nice little goal the other night, uh, kind of falling down over a defenseman, but still got a shot off. Um, he's got 11 goals, 10 assists, good for 21 points through 23 games. So almost a point per game in the OHL for Hamilton there. Um, and then our NCAA boys, Ian Mitchell, uh, two goals, nine assists through 12 games for the University of Denver. And Evan Barrett is raking at uh, Penn State. He's got 10 goals and 11 assists just through 13 games. So uh, Evan Barrett, definitely one to keep an eye on. There was, I know it was probably about maybe a month ago now, but Evan Barrett scored this ridiculous, looked like a video game style goal, picked up the puck behind the net, got it on a stick, lifted it up like it looked like he was, you know, using the lacrosse spoon. And then shoved it in behind the goalie. So if you ever catch any uh, Penn State hockey highlights, Evan Barrett, look out for him. Um, could be the next great Blackhawks center. You never know. Um, week ahead. Got to move forward. Um, Thursday night, we're at Winnipeg, 7 p.m. Saturday Oof. night at Nashville, 7 Oof. p.m. Sunday at home against Calgary at 6 p.m. Fuck. That's a grinder. We knew we were getting to this grinder point of the schedule, and we couldn't we couldn't be in in a worse place going into it. Yeah, these next two games are going to be really rough. Given given the fact, what did Line A do in the last four games? Eleven goals, right? Because he had the five goal game. Yeah, something Jesus. like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm not looking forward to the next two games. Yeah, Winnipeg's a rowdy place too. So we're talking about you know, just obviously the talent on the ice, but then you go in there; those Canadian fans are crazy about hockey. Winnipeg gets loud up there. I don't care if it's a regular season game, playoff game, whatever. And that's a and it's a tiny stadium. I think yeah. it only seats like fourteen thousand people. Um, because that's where the originally the uh, well, I think it. I think it dates back to the original Jets, but like the Manitoba Moose when they were still originally there, uh, that's where they played and they used to sell that building out. So, um, yeah, that's a crazy building to play in. And then, you know, Ryan Hartman's probably going to score two goals then when they play on Saturday. So um, just as a just as a spit in the eye. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. I, I I love Ryan Hartman. He is one of my – we had talked about, um, you know, earlier we were talking about trades now, almost all of our first-round picks from, what was it, 2010 through 2015 gone now. The ones that I'm most heard about there are Ryan Hartman and Tavo. Obviously, Tavo for his scoring and passing abilities, but Ryan Hartman, man, he brought an element that we just didn't have much of Um and he, yeah, ever can since do it. Andrew Shaw left, I mean, he could, he, could, he could do it both ways, too, though. That was my thing with Ryan Hartman. That's why I miss him so much. He'd, you know, get in your face, and he'd, he wouldn't be afraid to drop the gloves with you if you wanted. But then he'd also come out and, you know, deke around you and set up a teammate perfectly. Um, I always just think back. I know it was, like, a little bit of, like, a wet dream of a game there, the uh, first game last year against – um, 
against Pittsburgh, but that Hartman, Schmaltz, and Kane line, that was fucking unbelievable. And Hartman looked like you're like, oh my God, this guy's like a top six winger, but he can also bring grit. And you're like, you know, getting all these visions for the Blackhawks. So maybe that's the picture of Ryan Hartman I still have in my head, but he is still a quality player. And uh, I'm not looking forward to playing against him on Saturday at Nashville. And that was a new segment. Hashtag Johnny's wet dreams brought to you by. Dude, he, <laughs> I, like I, there's some, there, like, there's enough to be said about the stats, but for me, a lot of it, is the eye test. I take into account both. I look at their possession numbers. I look at their, you know, uh, their face-off numbers, if they're a center, uh, giveaways, takeaways, all that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, you can just look at a guy and tell if he's a gamer or not. Ryan Hartman, fucking gamer. That's T-shirt idea. That's He is. I, I wish he was still with us because I'd, you know, put 38 fucking gamer on it. So we're going to make a T-shirt. On the front, it's going to say Johnny's Wet Dreams, and then it's going to have a number 38 on the back. Yeah, Let's go. All these uh, great t-shirt ideas. We got oh Operation Brent Seabrook. We've got Jan Pylon Ruda. Johnny's Wet Dreams. 40s for Fortin. Yeah, 40s for 40s. Fortin. Man, by the end of the season, we're going to have crack like... Em. Yeah, crack them. Crack them. We're going we're gonna to we're gonna have a 20-item minimum store by the end of this season at this pace yep oh god yeah we're gonna have to buy like extra space on big cartel because you can only like have like a certain number of items for like the like the smallest package and then you got like upgrades so we're, we'll, we're we'll working on it, it. we're working on it we'll figure it out we'll, we'll figure it there. out i think the well, crack them koozies are gonna have to crack up crack them koozies are coming um you guys any have anything else that you want to close this episode out with i know we're a little bit over the hour um, I don't really have much else to say, uh, besides yeah. the, uh, the oh. Blackhawks are pissing me off at this point in time. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Blackhawks are pissing me off. Uh, one thing I would say to the diehards out there like ourselves, uh, it'll be, it'll be actually, I think I am actually going to enjoy watching Perlini and Strom just because I've, I've always been a big fan of watching new guys when they come in. And this is the first time we've really had new guys this young, and kind of untapped. So I'm just kind of interested to see. Anybody what remember Marco? New changes here. Oh, didn't he just? Didn't he just get claimed off of waivers again to go back to Winnipeg now after yeah, leaving Colorado? He did. He did. Yikes! Yeah, you know uh, you can't win them all, but yeah, I mean, so I'm excited to see what those two do. I mean, we mentioned earlier one small glimmer of positivity from tonight's game was Strom having two points. So uh, he's already. Making an impact. Yeah, I mean, he's already increased. I was trying. I was trying to do math, and it's way too late in the night for me to try and do that kind of math. But come on, you're in accounting. Let's go. I am in accounting, and <laughs> it's not. Still a little late for my my brain right now. But I mean, you know, he went from you know six points in the twenty games that he was in you know Arizona, and he's got one game under his belt with the Hawks, and he's got two points. So, um, I think him playing with skilled players is a good opportunity for him so i'm very very intrigued very very excited i kind of hope they make a dylan strom t-shirt the hawks have been kind of slacking on the the uh, t-shirt game here so um john mcdonough if you're listening do you want to generate merch sales go make some fucking dylan strom t-shirts and i'll buy a couple from you if you want to make about 30 bucks a t-shirt i got i got one uh, bounce off a run i agree with all that uh watch those two guys perlini and strom um they're going to be, 
you know, they're untapped right now. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop, how they contribute to this team. Um, I was talking about fucking gamers. I think Brendan Perlini is a fucking gamer in the making. So look out for Brendan Perlini. That's my message to Hawks fans. Another t-shirt idea. Good stuff. Good stuff, guys. All right. Uh, I don't really have anything else besides the fact that I agree with uh, Perlini is going to be a gamer. Uh, don't know what kind of impact he's going to have, but uh, certainly good to see somebody out there who's not afraid to throw the body around. Ooh. I will say if Carlton gives him a chance with the different line, he can't be stuck on the fourth line to be a well, gamer. So. Next, next week we're going to discuss uh, Jeremy Carlton in depth and what we think about his coaching styles. I don't think we have enough time to get into that tonight. Uh, but nope. uh, we're closing her down. We're gonna close her down. Uh, we've got a few more beers to drink in in the in the post show. Uh, guys, it's been a pleasure. Talking, pleasure as always. Talking Good some talk shitty ass Blackhawks hockey. Alrighty, that said, that's all I got. Let's go, go Hawks. Hawks. Go Hawks.